On Saturday, July 14, 1990, an outing organised by the Orkney Heritage Society and the Royal Society for the Protection of Birds landed a number of ferry passengers on the uninhabited island of Einhallow for a short visit. As usual, the crew counted the number of passengers upon disembarking. 88 visitors stepped from the boat and onto the soil of the once magical island. According to the evidence from the crew, only 86 returned. These two missing passengers sparked off a massive air and sea search. Men from the local police and coast guards scoured the island, as well as the coastlines of the islands nearby, to no avail. In the air, a helicopter dispatched by the Shetland Coast Guard swept the area with their heat-sensing equipment, but nothing was found. Needless to say, the whole incident was blamed on the ferry crew miscounting the number of passengers, but at the time the chief inspector of the Kirkwall police was not so sure. We have corroborative statements from the crew members. It's a strange one, he said. The Einhallow incident had some of the older Orcadian folk murmuring about the old ways, and whether the missing tourists might actually be none other than the Finn men returning to their ancient home. The mystery was never solved. So, last episode, I mentioned Finn men. Yes. When we were discussing mermaids. Yes. So, I, I thought we'd just start with a very, very simple little question for you, Josh. Mm-hmm. What does Finn mean? A, f- <laughs> a Finn yeah. is, a, is, a, is a small wing that fish have. Right. That's an interesting hypothesis, <laughs> but I'm talking about Finnish people. Ah. Okay. Yes. yes. Um. The indigenous people of a county of Norway called Finnmark, that mm-hmm. also populated Finland, mm-hmm. um, are called the Sami. Okay. And um, they're actually going to form a pretty important part of what we're going to talk about today, which is the Finn man. All right. Finn, Finn man and his Finn wife. Finn man and his Finn wife. Those are, those are two separate. They, aren't, they don't all fall under Finn men. They're all Finn folk. Ah, okay. But you've got Finn men and Finn wives. Um, so they're all married, which is nice. No, but that okay. does become important later. Oh, okay. So there's there's two very distinct types of Finn folk, um, and sort of as like a fun double barrel episode, I'm going to talk about both of them because ah, it'd be brilliant. weird to have two Finn folk episodes. So the first and least obvious type of Finn folk is the Finns. Uh huh. So the Sami people of Finnmark. Um, And they're basically, they come from the very, very north of Norway and Sweden and bits of Russia. Um, And they're pretty much completely culturally and historically distinct from the other cultures in that area. Mm -hmm. They were around at the same time as the Norse, but they did their own thing up in the cold north where no one else wanted to go. Cool. Or cold. Well, very cold, yes. They are famous for their nomadic reindeer herding. But there's also a group called the... And I'm going to pronounce this wrong, because I don't speak any Norse, but they're known as the Sjursama, I think, maybe? That sounded good. 
those were the maritime Sami, and they built famous boats. Um, there was one story that I read that said they could build a boat without any nails that would perform any other outperform any other vessel. Wow. I don't really know how that works, no. but that's why I'm not a famous boat builder. Yeah. So, what do you know about their nailless boats? Basically, not a lot. <laughs> um, we're going to get a bit sad for a bit because the Sami have been a historically incredibly oppressed people. Okay. To the point at one at one point in Norway, it was illegal to speak to them. Wow. Yeah. And and so where did that come from? Why were they so oppressed? Well, why did they hate them so much? The the Sami practiced this sort of polytheistic nature religion led mm-hmm. by shamans known as the and I'm going to pronounce this wrong again, Noaidi, maybe? Um and when Christianity arrived in Scandinavia, that was conflated with witchcraft and sorcery and the whole sure. religion was criminalized. At which point the Sami went well, we're going to keep doing our thing. We don't need your religion or your king. Right. And that wasn't taken well. No. So mm-hmm. eventually that led to laws forbidding Christians from having any contact with what became to be known as the Finnar. Wow. Um, which was pretty rough because the, the, the Finnar were famous for their, their medical skills. So you, if even ah. if you were hurt, you were not allowed to go and find uh, a Sami doctor. Hmm. Um. So why did the the Nords think that the Noadi were sorcerers? Well, the long story short is that they were. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a simpler answer to it. Yeah. So they they practiced what they called free soul rituals. I'm going to presume they've called it something else in their language, but I don't speak yes. that language. So I'm going to go with English for now. Okay. Um, and these rituals allowed them to inhabit the bodies of wild animals so they could travel massive distances or see faraway places. Wow. So why am I talking about this? How does that link to the British Isles? Because we're sort of, we're doing British folklore. So why am I talking about Norwegians, do you reckon? Did they come here? They certainly did. In fact, uh-huh. Orkney was a Norse settlement. So this oh, island okay. in Scotland was a Norse settlement from the 9th to the 13th century. Wow, okay. And then with the Norse came some Sami mm-hmm. and stories of the Sami. Um, and these people became known to the locals as the, as the Finnar, or the Norway Finns, or the Finn folk. Aha. Uh-huh. So that sort of explains why they're called that, even though they don't have a single fin between them. Uh, I, I, this, that was the big question for me, was where did this... I, I very much got stuck on the idea that it was going to be a fish fin. But actually, it's where they're from. Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Um, so this particular story isn't from Orkney, but it should sort of explain their reputation for magic. Because there's... A story about, and once again, pronunciation, the king of the Finns was called Fida. Uh-huh. And in a war between him and the Norse, he turned into a mighty walrus and killed 15 men. Wow. And he was only taken down by a dog that ran into his mouth and disemboweled him from the inside. 
that's a that is so metal. That's amazing. That's yeah, a heavy metal album cover right there. <laughs> so that that's the sort of magic we're talking about. And from that perspective, it becomes it almost makes sense why people were very wary around the Finn folk because sure. they could turn into a walrus and kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. It's that's this was a real concern to people. Yeah, sure. But they weren't bad necessarily. People didn't trust them, but on the other hand, they were very useful. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a well, I don't know about famous, but there's a story called um, Peter White and the Finn, <laughs> which I pulled from a talk that a Dr. Andrew Jennings gave at the Shetland Museum. Okay. So there was a man called Peter White who lived right in the north of Smockwell in Tingwall. And he was on a voyage across the Atlantic in the 1700s, so he's heading to America. And he was he missed home, and he was worried about his family. So he offered a fin, a pot of spirits, so a, a jug of whiskey, because mm-hmm. the fin said that he could check on Peter's family. Okay. So... Peter White offered him five pots of spirits. If he could do this thing, it would be more than worth it. Mm-hmm. And the Finn lay down, and he got colder and colder and paler and paler, and eventually it looked to all the world as if he was dead. Mm-hmm. And then there was a crash of thunder, and the Finn got up, and he'd brought back a silver spoon. And he said, I saw your mother. She was sitting by the fire. I saw your wife, she's had a healthy baby boy, and I saw your father chopping logs outside. And I've brought this silver spoon as evidence. And then, months later, when Peter got home, he met his son, he saw his mother and his father, and he met his wife, and he asked them if they remembered anything strange. And they said that there'd been a gust of wind that had knocked everything off the shelves, and they'd lost this silver spoon. And in commemoration, Peter had his son, John White, baptised with the middle initial C for cast, which uh-huh. was the name of the, the Finn that, that helped him. So that's a, wow. Yeah, it's a pretty wild story. Right that is there. a wild story. So this came, this came from a talk. And where, where, had, he, where had he got this, this story from? This is passed it's, down? It, or It's from the Scottish oral tradition. So there was right. a, a big push in the uh, late 1800s to try and record as much of the Scottish oral history as possible, mm-hmm. which has had downsides and upsides because it means a lot of things have been conflated or confused. So it's now very difficult to work out what people were talking about necessarily. Sure. Because there was all sorts of trolls and fairies and, and creatures that are similar, but to the people at the time were very, very different. Right. But coming from the outside, it became very easy to conflate them into to broad groups that made sense to british victorians at the time i mean would would uh, oral tradition stories would they not often be conflated and confused sort of as the tradition evolved anyway probably but you have to remember that to these people these were real things right yeah the difference between a fin man and a selkie was important yes you couldn't just go no this is my creative interpretation because that's like yeah talking about something very very real and and making up something new It'd be the same as if I was like, ah, eagles and pigeons, they're basically the same. <laughs> no, there's there's important differences. Right, and just because yeah. it makes a better story, you can't start saying that there's eagles in the woods. <laughs> right. So I'm going to ask you again, what's okay. a fin? Well, uh, 
can okay can i stick to my original answer and hope that it's right this time you give me whatever answer you like josh what's okay. a fin a fin is a well i'm still i'm still not even confident about my fish thing because that that was that was a vague interpretation at best uh so let's say that it is a, a finnish person it is a person from uh finland or thereabouts well that's just silly isn't it that is silly. fins like the little flappy things on a fish fins are the flappy things on a fish <laughs> so go with your ra- gut josh <laughs> rather than finmark we're now going to talk about the underwater kingdom of finfokahim oh my word which is old uh, old scots for finfolkland cool but it sounds much better it does finfokahim so the finfolk we're talking about now lived uh, during the winter in Finfolkaheim, mm-hmm. and then during the summer they moved to the hidden island of Hilderland, which I believe means hidden land. Cool. Um, which they kept hidden from mortal view with their powerful magic, mm-hmm. and they'd raid the shores of northern Scotland um, because they loved silver, absolutely loved it. They referred to it as the white metal. Cool. So, Finfolk, they have fins, obviously. Yep. What else would it be? Um, But they are cunning enough to disguise their fins as normal human clothes. I see. Which allows them to move between the land and the sea without being noticed. Uh Uh-huh. Now, this is is when the fin man and the fin wife is going to come in, because they're Mm. very, very different in this sort of fin man. Okay. So your fin man is a grumpy misanthrope. He dislikes everyone uh, that's not a thin folk, and he dislikes everything that's not silver. <laughs> He's tall and thin, and he has a stern, gloomy face. And he doesn't want to speak to anyone, unless they happen to be fishing in his water, and then he will absolutely wreak havoc on their boats using his magic. Oh, okay, so I was going to ask, if they, does he, he violently dislikes everyone, or he's mostly grumpy? Mostly grumpy, but if uh-huh. you fish in his water or try to cheat him out of uh, silver, uh-huh. certainly violent. Violent. And magically so. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple of stories, although there wasn't a lot of consensus on this, that if you drew a cross on the bottom of your boat in chalk or tar, mm-hmm. you'd scare off the fin folk because they abhorred the sign of the Christian cross. Uh-huh. So that's clearly a later addition to the stories. But sure. Who knows? Yeah. And then you've got the Finn wife. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those instances where the stories get mixed up, because the Finn wife began her life as a mermaid. Right. So you're half fish, half lady, very, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, if the, the mermaid marries a, a man, a human man, mm-hmm. she will stay beautiful and, and lovely for as long as she lives. But if she marries a Finn man, which is what will happen if she can't find a mortal husband, she'll become p- progressively uglier, eventually oh. becoming this, this gnarled old crone. Right. So um, the, the Finn wife is desperate for a, a human husband mm-hmm. because it's the only way they can hold on to their beauty. Right. But the Finn men had a, a workaround. They'd marry a Finn wife, but then send her ashore to marry a human as well. And so they could have their, their cake and eat it. Exactly. And because they're not 
Christian creatures, they had no particular compunctions about marrying two people. That wasn't a, sure. a real issue. Sure. Bigamy all the day, yeah. Sure. Um, <laughs> so the, the Finn wife would come onto land and she'd tell the local Orcadians that she was from the mainland. She's, she's not from Orkney, she's just new in town. And then she'd mm-hmm. pretend to earn a living by spinning uh, spinning cloth and, and knitting and sort of feminine pursuits. Mm-hmm. And then she'd slowly gain a reputation for, and we've seen this before in the other sort of Finn man, curing diseases. They were uh-huh. excellent healers. So usually it wouldn't take her long to become an absolutely invaluable member of the community and um, mm-hmm. find herself a husband. But all the while, while she's becoming this valued member of the community, she's practicing dark magic and sending every scrap of silver she can acquire back to her husband in the sea. Right. But how does a Finn wife send money to her undersea husband without catching any suspicion? How would you do that, Josh? I I would... I would have no idea. and I'd hope that my thinness would give me some kind of magical power to assist me. Well, no. But luckily, ah. you have a familiar, of course. You have a black of cat. Of course. This is sounding very, very witch-like. Yeah, they're very similar to witches. But mm-hmm. how can you tell the difference between a witch's cat and a finwife's cat? I don't know. Does it have fins? Finwife's cat turns into a fish. Amazing. It's a catfish. Yep. Oh, God, I hadn't thought of that joke. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's, it's a literal catfish. Mm-hmm. So it, could, it would deliver messages to her husband, and it would send silver to him, and it would allow him to send messages back. Mm-hmm. And it was incredibly important that the Finn wife sent silver back to her husband, because otherwise he would come to shore and savagely beat her. Wow. Oh, okay. So this was another sign that maybe someone was a, a Finn wife. If they had a cat, they were young and beautiful, and then one day they turned up with lots of bruises, maybe it's a Finn wife. And, and what would the appropriate uh, response be to discovering you had a Finn wife in your midst? Certainly oust them from the community. Right. Which is pretty sad. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> are, there, so are there stories of this happening? Uh, not that I found, uh-huh. no. Um, but it was certainly something that was kept as an option. Sure, yeah. Communities were ready to do this. Which strikes me as very strange, because a Finn wife seems like the perfect person to have in your town. Yes, absolutely. Like, she's friendly, she's a great healer, yep. she's good at spinning, yep. she has a catfish. Yep. All things you want. <laughs> so at the start of this episode, you read us uh, a tale... Mm-hmm about the island of Einhallow. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned Hildeland. And there's an idea that these might be the same place. Oh, okay. The Einhallow, the Holy Island, mm-hmm. is Hildeland. But why then is it not hidden anymore? Mm-hmm. And that is because of a, a gentleman called the Good Man of Thoroughdale. Right. So this fellow wasn't from... He, he wasn't from Orkney. He was from the parish of Evie on the mainland. Mm-hmm. And he married a wife, and she had three beautiful sons. And then after her death, he was a widower, and he married another. Mm-hmm. The most beautiful woman in Evie. And he loved her very, very much. 
So one day, him and his wife were down by the sea, um, and the man of Thoroughdale sat on a rock to tie his shoes. And suddenly he hears a scream, and he sees a tall, dark man dragging his wife roughly into a boat. And the gentleman runs down to the water, and he wades into the sea, but the Finn man's already stolen his wife and is rowing out to sea. And as you well know, no one can outrun a Finn man, uh, outrow a Finn man. Makes sense. They could get all the way to Norway in seven strokes of their oar. Wow. Okay, that is... Wow. Yeah. That is fast. So there was no chance of uh, Thoroughdale catching his wife. No. So long before he reached his own little boat, the Finn man was out of sight. Mm-hmm. Because another good thing about Finn folk is that they can make their vessels entirely invisible. They've got a handy set of powers. Well, they're magical. Yeah. They they have all the powers that satanic magic could give you. Sure, great. <laughs> a lot of other people would have just sort of taken that as a hit mm-hmm. and been like, well, that's very unfortunate. My wife has been kidnapped, but there's nothing I can do about it. Mm-hmm. But the, Thor- the man of Thoroughdale wasn't that kind of guy. He's the good man of Thoroughdale. He's pretty bleeding good, as this story <laughs> will uh, sort of attest to. So he knelt in in the ebb and swore that living or dead, he would have his revenge on the Finfolk. Mm-hmm. So he spent weeks thinking about his vengeance and working out how he could do it. Mm-hmm. And then one day he was fishing in between Rousey and Evie, and uh, he was fishing near the island of Einhallow, and he heard a female voice singing. And he realised that the voice was that of his wife, even though he couldn't see her. Right. And she sang a song that boiled down to, You'll never see me again, so don't grieve me. But if you want vengeance, go and ask the spay wife of Hoy. So a spay wife was a, a sort of uh, a wise woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so immediately, he rose back to shore. He... Uh, puts a, sing- a silver ring in his sock and sets off for the island of Hoy. Why did it? Why did he put the silver ring in his sock? Well, to pay the the spay wife. Ah, I see. No one knows exactly what she said to him, but it's certain that she told him how to get the power of seeing Hilderland, mm-hmm. the hidden island of the Finfolk. She also told him what he should do if he saw the hidden islands, um, because. The only thing that could punish the Finfolk would be to take Hilderland from them. Mm-hmm. So, for nine months, on the night of the full moon, he crawled nine times on his bare knees around the great Odin stone of Stenness. And after that, for nine months at full moon, he looked in the hole at the Odin stone and wished that he would have the power of seeing Hilderland. So then after nine months, he bought a huge amount of salt. Okay. (laughs) And he filled a big wooden chest with salt. And he filled three huge straw baskets with salt. Mm -hmm. And now his three sons from his last marriage were, you know, strong young men at this point. Mm -hmm. So he explained to them what they had to do so they could help him in his plan. So on one beautiful summer morning, just after sunrise, Thoroughdale looked out onto the sea, and in the middle of the Einhallow Sound, he saw a pretty little island where there had never been an island before. So, 
He shouts to his sons to grab the baskets and head for the boat, and he does not take his eyes off that island, because he knows that he might never see it again. So his sons pack up the boat, and they start rowing, and the the father's still staring at this magical island, because the sons can't see anything. Mm -hmm. So they're just rowing, and the father's screaming instructions at them. And then suddenly, the boat was completely surrounded by whales. And the sons immediately think, well, these whales are in shallow water. We could drive them onto the beach and we could be rich men. Mm-hmm. But the father is having none of it. He, uh, he screams at his son that they'll row for their lives or the devil will catch the slowest one. And then suddenly, a huge whale raises its head right up in front of the b- boat opening its mouth wide enough to swallow the entire boat in one gulp. But Thoroughdale, he has a magic eye. So he says, keep rowing, straight at it. And he throws two handfuls of salt straight into the monster's mouth, at which point it disappears. Because the it was just a magical illusion, uh-huh. and salt is a pure substance. So it destroys evil magic. This is why you throw salt over your shoulder... Uh, to get rid of the devil. Yep, and why you uh, banish ghosts with salt uh-huh. and all sorts because it's pure. Mm-hmm. So they're they're now approaching the beach, and then they see two beautiful mermaids waist deep at the shore, with long golden hair fluttering over their shoulders, singing, which causes the sons to slow down a little bit because you know <laughs> they're enjoying themselves. But Thoroughdale's having none of it. He's still staring down this island, and he kicks the two sons near him. And he uh, throws a cross made out of twisted vines at the uh, mermaids, Mm -hmm. and they plunge beneath the waves and disappear. But on the beach was waiting this huge, horrible monster. Now, I'm going to read the description directly from um, the the transcript. Mm -hmm. Its tusks were as long as a man's two arms, its feet as broad as quernstones, which is like a a millstone. Uh And with blazing eyes, it spat fire from its mouth. Wow. So, that's that's pretty terrifying. That's a pretty horrible monster. But what does the man of Thoroughdale know? He knows this is all illusion. Right. So he boldly jumps onto the land and throws a handful of salt in between the creature's eyes. Mm-hmm. And the creature disappears. And in its place is a tall and mighty Finn man who draws a sword and screams that the, the good man of Thoroughdale should go back, or he'll defile the land with his nasty blood. Um, but at this point, Thoroughdale gets into a sword fight with the Finn Man. Mm-hmm. But he's not trying to kill him. He manages to cut a cross right into the face of the Finn Man. And then suddenly, the Finn Man howls, falls into the grass, and the grass consumes him. Wow. I'm not sure why that happened, but... Okay, well, no, cool. That's pretty hardcore. Yeah. Um, at that point, the uh, the man and his sons start walking around the, the island, scattering salt as they go. So they circle the entire island with salt, and they can hear the screaming and the crying of the Finn men and the, their Finn wives. And all of suddenly, all of the Finn men run out of their homes. They're running helter skelter like a flock of sheep down into the sea. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, there wasn't a single creature left on uh, Hilderland. 
every single one of the Thin Men and all of their animals left the island. So the good man of Thoradel cut nine crosses into the turf of the island, and each of his three sons went three times around the island, scattering salt, making nine rings of salt. And from that moment onwards, nothing lived on Hilderland, and because of the crosses, it's now known as Einhallow, the Holy Isle. Wow. And to this point, it's still uninhabited. Yeah. Which makes it wonderful for breeding birds, which is why the RSPB went there. <laughs> so the thought is that the people went missing might actually be secret fin folk returning to their ancestral home. Ah, oh, cool. Okay. So, Josh. Yes. Do you feel like you are at risk from fin folk? Let's start with the kind of more friendly Sami variety who are. Sure. They're just trying to live their lives, really. Yeah. Um, so, with that in mind, no, I'm not too fussed about them at all. If anything, I, I'd i quite like to meet one. Yeah, they have a lot of skills. They can make good yeah. boats, which I'm intrigued by. Yeah, I can't make good boats. Rubbish boat-making skills. No, I, I'm aware that being able to turn into a walrus is probably more impressive. <laughs> but still, that nail-free boat that moves really quickly is kind of cool to me. The downside is, Josh, you'll probably not meet any in Wales. No, this is true. This is true. So I'm not so much at risk, but nor will I have the benefit of of making friends with my animal-transforming, boat-making, fin-men friends. No, which is, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. (laughs) How about the scarier fish people that can disguise themselves as humans and have catfish variety of fin-man? Oh, yeah. Well, it, it depends, I suppose, on... On uh, on which exactly variety of this of this variety I meet, if it's a woman, uh, a woman fin folk, uh, a fin wife as it were, a fin wife, I'm not too I'm not worried about my safety. I'm more worried about hers. This is what gets me because in all the stories they treat the fin wife as some horrible interloper, but she's largely kind of good. Yeah, she helps you, and yeah, so she moves all the silver off into the sea. But she's obtaining the silver by honest means. Yeah. So, like, no one loses. No, she's just... The only loser would be if she didn't do this, and then her thin man, husband, that would... There'd be all kinds of problems. Exactly. So, how about the thin man? How do you feel about that? Well, my saving grace in this is that my collection of silver is, is paltry at best. Um... So I, I I don't feel like I'm a very attractive threat, uh, th- attractive prey to a uh, to a Finn man. You're also... I know Finn man boats are quick, mm. but you're a fair lick away from Orkney. Yeah. No, sure. I, so they might make sure before I, before I know what's happening, but uh, I still have a, a fair amount of uh, running time. Well, they've just got to come a long way, and I don't know if you're worth the trip. <laughs> my... Yes. Which sounds mean, but... No, but uh, that, that's, uh, f- actually, from my perspective, is, is good. Josh, thank you very much for having this conversation with me. I really enjoyed it. That is a pleasure. If any of the listeners want to leave us a review, you can review us on iTunes or SoundCloud or pretty much wherever you found this. It would really help us out. Or you can get in touch with episode ideas or questions on Facebook or Twitter. I've been Neil Whitehead. I've been Josh Ogle. And this has been a British bestiary. (laughs) 